We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com. It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, some of the most intriguing, teaching, challenging verses in all the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, this is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And what we do, we do our best to share the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can take it and use it in our lives. And when I say ours, I'm talking about mine and Alex and yours as well who are listening, that we would be conformed to His image, transformed by the power of God. And so that's what we want to do today, and we pray that you come ready ready to receive a blessing from the Lord. And we do this on Fridays with Fire Away Friday with your questions. So right now, those phone lines are open, and you can call this number with your Bible question, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We're ready to hear those questions. And really, Alex and I, we're supposed to be, quote, the teachers, but I'm going to ask Alex. Alex, have you learned a lot since you've been on Exploring the Word? Oh, my goodness, I really have. And, you know, not only studying and preparing for each program, but with the listeners, we have had consistently over the last 14-plus years great, great listeners that have inspired you and I and have informed and taught us things. So when you've said in times past that you felt like this was kind of the the nation's largest Sunday school, a coast-to-coast Bible study, it really, really is, Bert. And uh, I want y'all to know, listening, I mean, we want to honor the Lord and do our very best, but listeners, you are a blessing to Bert and me in a big, big way. You really are, and we say thank you for listening. We are, uh, Alex and I are just so so thankful to the Lord, to AFA, Tim Wildman, Jim Stanley, who brought us on now, Jonathan Coker, who is who is our director, and uh, we just thank God for this program, and we feel like God has it here at a strategic time every afternoon to help people grow. And again, I say this, <clears throat> it, yes, we want you to know the Bible better but the reason you want to know the Bible better is so you can know the God of the Bible. Uh, listen, God is amazing. I was talking to one of the workers here at AFR today, AFA, and uh, we were just talking about the mystery, how great God is. And one of the things we've both determined is God is amazing. He really is how he could love us so. So we're praying that even today you'll get to know the Lord even better 
as we answer the questions and do our best to give a biblical, solid answer. And so, Alex, uh, this is exciting times, and people have already called in, and we got people waiting, brother. Amen. Amen. Well, the number is 888-589-8840. Fire Away Friday, we're going to do all questions all the hour, and we're honored to hear from you. So call in. We will begin our trek throughout America in Georgia. David in Georgia, thank you for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, I, I do have a question. Uh, do you hear me all right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's not much of a Bible question, but it's related to it. Should Christians watch The Chosen? Bert, we, we've had that question a time or two. Um, before I answer, let me kind of lay out a little bit about what this is. It's a dramatization of the life of Jesus taken from the Gospels, uh, but there is some artistic license, as it really is always the case. I mean, whether it be Cecil B. DeMille and the Ten Commandments and Moses or The Chosen and Jonathan Rumi and the life of Jesus, Bert, you know, to make it flow, there is some story woven in there. I don't I'm, I'm going to say this, and Bert, you feel free to disagree. I, I think it's good to watch The Chosen because it makes us think about, well, that that might have been how it was, you know, Christ, you know, walking by the, the Sea of Galilee. But just keep this in mind, that the definitive source for our facts and conclusions about the Lord is from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just if you read the Gospels— you'll know what's biblical truth being portrayed on screen and what is maybe creative license. So, Bert, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, and I really think it's potentially a very, very good thing, but understand that it is a drama, whereas uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is fact. Good answer. And I would say this, it has, God has used it to drive people to the Word of God. Uh, I've talked to people who said, man, I, I didn't know that was in there. And they found out where it could be found out in one of the Gospels, and they would read it for themselves. And yes, the filler, <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. yeah, as a poetic license, I understand that, but it's filler. You know, uh, on their way from Capernaum to another city, uh, we may not have everything they did, but we have, they were walking, they had to walk, they couldn't go any other way. And so we have some dramatization that that I I think it adds I would say add the reality of who he is. I haven't watched them all. I've watched some, but let me just say I have not found anything that I've read or heard that would say, "Man, don't watch right. it." You know? And and, and Bert, uh every church Christmas play has some artistic <laughs> license. You better I, believe it. Yeah, you know, we have if to. You, yeah create conversation between Mary and Joseph. I mean, whenever you put the Bible on screen or on stage to make the story flow, there's got to be a little bit of dramatization, isn't there? That's right. So, David, thank you for calling, and I know there's other people that were interested in that question as well. Where to next, Alex? Uh, Becca in Kansas. Becca, thanks for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. 
Hi, yes, I'm a first-time caller, and I really like your program, so thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate first-time callers, and uh, thanks for being with us today. What you got, Becca? Yes, um, in Galatians 3.19, um, where it talks about the seed and then also the mediator, um, my question is, who is the seed? Is it talking about Isaac or Jesus? And then who's the mediator? Okay. That, again, let me read this, and you've done a good job. But let me read a little bit before. Let me, Alex and I, we, we not only love to answer questions, but one of my joys is helping people that are new or listening, wanting to do Bible study, how to do the Bible study better for themselves. And that's that's better than, because you got the greatest teacher. If you've been saved, you got the greatest teacher in the world living in you, the, the Holy Spirit. But let me read this, and it'll help. Notice in verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he does not say, and to seeds, and is of many, but is as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So the answer to verse uh, 19 is found in verse 16, Alex. Yes. Uh, well, you know, Becca, this is a good question, and I'll tell you that um, we could do a month of shows on this. Really, fundamentally, um, verse 16 says the seed is Christ, okay? To give a larger context, yes, you could talk about Isaac was the child of promise, and then through Isaac and Jacob, uh, Israel came about, and ultimately through the nation of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things Paul is doing in Galatians, because as Martin Luther said, it, it is the gospel of God's grace. Um, like verse 10 of chapter 3 of Galatians, if you're under the law, you've got the curse of, of sin and judgment. And I think, Bert, Part of what um, Galatians 3 is trying to convey is that belief in Jesus as Messiah doesn't mean the nullification of Moses and the law. It was valid, but here's the thing. Trying to keep the law isn't what saves. You know, like Habakkuk, like Romans 1, um, 2 and 3 talk about the fact— Galatians 2.16 says we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ— so the seed is Jesus, who came from the, the seed Isaac, the, the child of promise, ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Uh, the angels prophesied the coming of Christ, uh, the annunciation to Mary that she would, as a virgin, carry the Savior. The angels uh, ordained and un announced it to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. So, Bert, in a way, Galatians 3.19 has the covenant promise of the Messiah that would come, the coming of this Messiah, and really the fact that we are in this Savior, we're in Christ, not by works of the law, but by faith. Amen. And mediator, let me just share, this is so yes. beautiful. Jesus is the mediator. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's the reason he said it's far better. He is talking to his apostles. I go away. Why was it better for him to go away? So he could occupy the seat at the right hand of the Father as our mediator, and the Holy Spirit would come and not live beside us but live in us. It was so much better. And here... There's been many mediators, though, before 
uh, Christ. Job asked, oh, if I could have a mediator or an umpire. Oh, uh, yes. Abraham was a mediator trying to, to save Lot and 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 just so much more about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, if you could find this many. But Jesus is our mediator between us and God. What a mediator he is, Alex. Amen. Well, thank you, Becca, for that great question. Arkansas, where I will be later this year. Uh, Cookie in Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, thank you. And I just want to tell you all I enjoy the program so much. I usually listen to you while I'm out walking. But um, I do have a question. Um, uh, I was talking to someone, and they were saying, you know, that, you know, talking about, I know there's some denominations teach you have to be baptized in the church and and all. And I said, well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. And they said, oh, well, Jesus had not died and risen from the grave at that time. It changed. And I didn't, I don't, of course, I know that's not right, but I don't get where they get that. Mm -hmm. So, um, Bert, the question, do you have to be water baptized to be saved? Uh, Cookie, let me say, the New Testament uses the word baptize in a couple of different senses. And I want to read Galatians 3.27, and it's, well, 3.26 and 27, Galatians 3.26, For you are the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. So clearly, we are baptized into Christ— by what? By faith. Now, and uh, Romans 6.3 uses the word in the same sense. So one way the New Testament uses the word baptize is to put your faith in Christ, and you are baptized into Jesus. Now there's water baptism, but Bert, as I understand the New Testament, and great thinkers throughout church history, water baptism isn't what saves you. But after you've been saved, being baptized in the local church is the public proclamation of the the conversion that's taken place already in your heart. It is, and it is important to be a follower of Christ. Jesus demonstrated that even with John. We'll be back with more of your questions right after this break. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for health care. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the health care needs of hundreds and thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost-sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they're not an insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org dot org slash afr christian health care ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states share the good news with a friend to chministries.com slash afr make the switch today with 
anytime enrollment. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. What a beautiful song. Bert and I are so honored that you're listening. We're going to carry on with uh, the questions here on Fireway Friday. Going down to Alabama, Karen in Alabama. Thanks for holding. You're the next caller on Exploring the Word. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking my call. I know that this this is erroneous, erroneous teaching, but I've heard it more than once. And even seen it in hymnals in churches in reference to blacks being the first person, uh, Adam was black, and that all races spawned from him, that God created black, uh, Adam was black, and all races spawned from him. Where did that, well, I know it came from the father of lies, but where did, do you know this first actually came on the scene as far as people believing this, and what? scriptures could I use to refute it? Okay, Alex, when I hear hear that, you can't help but believe somebody's got extra biblical material (laughs) Mm -hmm. to to come to that conclusion. What would you say? Well, you know, uh, Karen, thanks. This is a great question. And whenever I speak at schools or colleges, very often young people will ask about the races and I'll say, well, really, to be precise, there's only one race, the human race. Now, there are different ethnicities, uh, different amounts of melanin in the skin, and uh, there are people that are very light-complected, and there are people that are brown, and there are people very dark-complected, but we're all human beings. Now, um, the question might be, what color were Adam and Eve? Because, you know, what's amazing is within the uh, genetic makeup of Adam and Eve, when they begin to have children, there were so many billions of genetic potentials, uh, tall people, slight people, uh, broad people, uh, every eye color, every hair color, every hair texture. And so uh, we are, the Bible teaches it, and even geneticists affirm it, that the human race came from a single male-female pair. Now, Bert, let me just say this. Um, In the early to mid-20th century, there emerged what was called liberation theology. And there there were like Marxist theologians that sort of twisted the Bible to speak about economic liberation, but by the late 50s and up through the 60s, there's a very famous book, it's a good book, called The Search for a Black Savior. And there were in some quarters, um, by the way, let me just parenthetically say this, there's an old saying in philosophy that first-rate thinkers collect second-rate followers sometimes. I believe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a first-rate thinker. His writings, very godly. But there were some people that came after him, like Malcolm X, that flirted a little bit with Christianity, a lot with Islam. And there were some that tried, and I think very unbiblically, to develop 
uh, uniquely black theology. And they, I've read books that said Jesus was, was black. Adam and Eve were black. And a little of this they drew from the evolutionary assumption that life began on the continent of Africa, whereas I believe um, the Garden of Eden would have been potentially in what is modern-day Iraq. Now here's the point. Um, we, we've got to make sure that we don't let our cultural struggles shape the way we approach Scripture. Adam and Eve were probably brown. They probably looked, um, you know, it's theorized that they were fairly, you know, a, a light brown Middle Eastern look. But, Bert, here's the thing. We're all made one in Jesus, aren't we? Uh, that The Lord Jesus is the great equalizer, not only uh, humans, we're all human beings, but in love and in reconciliation, um, the answer is not to try to politicize the gospel, but to make us one in Jesus. Amen. The word you use, theorize, that's what we have mm-hmm. to do when we come up with those answers in about facts in the Bible that we do not know, that the Bible does not make clear, and it is not made clear there. And so what we do, uh, listen, avoid, the Bible says avoid some things, and some things is foolish questions. And again, is that important? I I don't see it as important as all. I think it is what you said, Alex, uh, somebody coming up with a theory, and then they go back and try to legitimize that theory to make it probable or possible. And so I believe that's exactly where it came from. And uh, we we know there was an Adam and Eve, and we know they yeah. were real, and they were in the garden. And guess what? One day we might get to see them and find out that question. But until then, uh, theorize is what we'll do. Alex, where do you go to next? The great state of Ohio, William in Ohio, welcome to Exploring the Word. How are y'all doing today? Good. Thanks for holding. You're on. Great. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Great. Um, my question is a little theological. It's a little difficult to express, but um, I'll do the best I can, and y'all can probably figure out where I'm going. Um, sort of playing the devil's advocate a little bit. You know, Jesus is suffering on the cross. Um, some skeptics might claim that the Christian faith overblows his suffering. You know, thousands of people were crucified, and then it was just for about three hours. He suffered for a long time, about three hours, and then he expired. And then the fact that Jesus himself knew that he was going to be resurrected and back with the Father, um, that might, seems like Christians, you know, a skeptic would say, kind of overblow the his suffering and blow overblow the make too much of that. And I know as a Christian, you know, it was theologically he he bore the sins of the world and all that, but uh, can you can you answer or, you know, deal with that a little bit? Okay. Thank you, William. I, I appreciate you calling in and, and raising those things. Yes, uh, there was crucifixion, and it was a horrible form no matter who did it, but the beating that Jesus took beforehand physically uh, was so it would it was they tried to do it with an inch and I'm using that figurative of their lives. In other words, he was trying to get away. Uh, when I say he, I mean Pilate. 
and had Jesus beaten, and then he went to the cross. So that amplifies the pain and the suffering. Also, Jesus has never been separated from God. We're talking about someone who knew no sin, and yet he took the sin of the world. He became that sacrifice again that compounds it. And I heard this story, and I want to give credence to it, Alex, and it's just figurative it's a story. Um, a good friend of mine, Mike Brzezinski, he is just a great thinker. God, uh, he, he was a great friend and is still a great friend. He had a man that asked uh, him something similar to that and say, well, if I knew I was going to be raised in three days, I'd, I'd have died on the cross too. No big deal. And mm. Mike at that time didn't have an answer for him. And he went back and he was studying over in the book of, of uh, Psalms about where it says, I'm a worm and not a man. Yeah. And this man he was talking to, he owned a country store out in the country, and fishermen would go there, and he had earthworms that he raised in the back in tubs. So people could go by there, he'd get those worms and sell it to them. He used this illustration with that man, and I, I love it, and I think it's one that puts us in our place. He said, sir, you know those earthworms you have in the back of your store? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, if you knew those earthworms had a disease that they could not heal and they would die, would you become an earthworm and go, if you could lead them out of their danger into safety, would you become an earthworm in order to save those worms? He said, of course not. That's a stupid question. Mike said, sir, for God to become man and dwell among us and remain man was a greater sacrifice than you would do if you became a worm. Now, oh, Alex, wow. I never will forget that answer that Mike shared. And, uh, Duke, that to tells you it wasn't just the suffering on the cross. It was mm -hmm. Jesus himself who became flesh and dwelt among us. And every time he says, I must go away, one of the reasons he had to go away so the Holy Spirit could come because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. And yeah. even after his resurrection, Alex, now he could be here in one moment and there in the next moment, but it demonstrates he's only at one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit, he covers it all. Now, that's go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And William, you ask a really good question, and we, we literally could do a week of programs on the atonement, the turning away of wrath. That means that's propitiation, and the atonement means he paid for our sins. Now, over the last 2,000 years, a lot of people have tried to really understand how on Calvary's cross Jesus paid for our sins. And there, there's one theory, and, and I reject it, but it was called the ransom theory. And there was this assumption that somehow the human race was held uh, by Satan, and on the cross the precious Son of God died, and it was like paying ransom to the devil. And, and those that tried to think up this you know, ransom theory, they, maybe Satan didn't realize that the bars of death couldn't hold Jesus. I don't believe that. Um, sometimes it's called substitutionary atonement. But here's the thing. On the cross, the infinitely righteous Son of God bore the judgment that humanity deserved. 
the wrath, you know, um, one of the old songs says, on the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Bert, I, I don't know that we can completely comprehend it, but my guilt was put on Jesus. The punishment I deserved, he endured. Amen. And by putting our faith in Christ, not only are our sins washed away, but the the punishment for sin, the just, sometimes the old reformers would say God's just displeasure. It was deflected away from us, and the wrath of God was on Jesus. Now, Bert, for the 8 billion humans alive now and the 75 or 100 billion that have ever lived, the degree to which Christ suffered, we can't imagine but he did it for us out of love, didn't he? He really did. And, and William, I want to thank you, brother, for expressing that because I, every time I hear that and try to comprehend the incarnation and the crucifixion, the resurrection, it is beyond my comprehension that God could love us so. And oh, uh, that, that blows my mind. And this questions that we have that we just can't completely understand— it, I hope it drives you to God. It does me, Alex. It drives yeah. me to God that I am in relationship with a God that is beyond human complete comprehension. Mm-hmm. That is the God we serve in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Duke in Mississippi. Duke, thank you for holding, and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, can y'all hear me okay? Yes. Um, I'd just like to ask if someone were to live their entire life justly through God, leading people to the gospel, um, and doing the things they're supposed to do to get, you know, per se into heaven, um, and accepted God as their Jesus or their Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but maybe commit a sin so terrible or maybe take their own life, would they be able to get into heaven? And then vice versa, if someone were to do nothing but sin their entire life and do horrible things, unspeakable, but at the very end accept him as their Lord and Savior and, and ask for forgiveness, would they still be allowed it? Let me do you go first and answer your second part, and we've already had somebody reference that, and that's the thief on the cross. As far as we know, he deserved what he was getting. He told the other thief on the other side of Jesus, we are getting our just uh, deserves. We, we don't deserve anything better, but this man... Jesus hasn't done anything amiss. And Jesus would tell him after he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So, Duke, that second question has already been demonstrated there, but I would say it's probably been demonstrated many times, Alex, some people that I've known that got right with God just just right before they went into eternity. Yeah, I mean, that's the grace of God because, see, here's the thing. If somebody sins their whole life long and shortly before they die, they ask Christ into their life and are born again, we think, wow, uh, they barely got in. They didn't really deserve it. But I want to tell you, the person that, by our estimation, lives a good moral life for decades on end, they live morally, they don't deserve it either. (laughs) I mean... um, Jonathan Edwards, the president of Princeton, the evangelist of the First Great Awakening, he said if even one sinner in all of history got saved, 
the mercy of God would have been amply demonstrated. Now, now here's the thing, though. We don't want to presume on God. I've, I've had people say, well, I'm going to live like I live, and shortly before I die, on my deathbed, I'm going to call out to Jesus. That's very presumptuous, isn't it, Bert? It is. Because- I've known a lot of people. After living as long as I have, pastoring as many people as I have, I've seen those that died, did not, they did not have that last moment, Alex, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, this is Exploring the Word. Uh, Andrew, David, Cornelius, Brian, we're going to get to you one and all when we come back after this break. Stay tuned, folks. Exploring the Word with Bert Harper and Alex. We'll be back on the American Family Radio Network. Don't go away. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. I love that. Listen, I hope your sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You can't pay enough. You can't attend church enough. It's a relationship in Christ that is by grace through faith. And if you need help in knowing that, we've got partners. You can go to them. It's Triple Eight Need Him. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll share scripture with you. And so it's Triple Eight Need Him. We want you to be in heaven with us. Alex, Amen. I want to get this in before we go to the call. It won't take long. Next week's going to be a special week here all over uh, yeah. AFR because we're at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. And Exploring the Word will be uh, broadcast live uh, there, and we're excited about it. We'll have interviews. We do a little Bible study. But during mm-hmm. this week in NRB, we get some people there, and we want to interview them, and uh, we, we just want to share in the ministry that other people are involved in in bringing people to Jesus. So uh, be sure and join us next week. You, you might yes. be surprised who we might have as a guest. So we're looking yeah. forward to that, aren't we? You know, Bert, I was going to say we generally we are privileged to get some wonderful godly people like Erwin Lutzer, and I know we've had um, uh, Johnny Erickson in years past, and just all kinds of great people, and be in prayer as ministries convene, and we'll be there with AFA to pray, to fellowship, to strategize, and so, Bert, I'm just praying that out of uh, the NRB gathering, that a great revival emerges. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? So pray Amen. for us. Matter of fact, I'm going to take time for us to pray right now. Father, Amen. I thank you for the National Religious Broadcasters and, and those people that really want to make a difference in this world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we gather next week in Nashville, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just intervene in our lives in such a way that we will know that we've been in the presence of the Lord. Help exploring the word 
uh, to be a key marker for that, that we yes. uh, we want to just let God have his way in our lives and share that with others. And so, so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity, and we pray that you would send that revival that we're in desperate need of. And uh, I, I agree, we've never been this way before in America, but God, you can come and make a difference in us and through us. And I pray it would happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Mississippi, Andrew in Mississippi, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, hey. hey um, first time calling. So, oh, uh, thanks. so I have a question. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so in Genesis, Genesis 35.10, um, it basically goes into your name is no longer, uh, your name is Jacob. You uh, no longer shall be called Jacob, uh, but Israel shall be your name. And, and then it goes throughout the Bible, like Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not different from living. I'm just kind of wondering how Jacob's name still kind of just keeps pulled up on there, even though God changed it, or is it because it was changed to the nation of Israel? Okay, great question, Andrew. I appreciate that. God has changed other people's names, Simon, Peter. Now, God did not change Paul's name, but uh, when he was working with the Jewish people, it was Saul, and then went to Paul, and and sometimes you'll find Peter's name, you know, used either way. Now, Paul most of the time, but names do mean something. But for Jacob to be brought up, uh, I, I think it goes back. Alex, this is my opinion. I hope you, if you disagree, please. It goes back to the birth, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That seed continued through them even at Jacob's birth, and not only just his name change. Go ahead. Yeah, Andrew, this is a great question. And and let me say this. To the Jewish people, uh, well, really past and present, um, spiritual lineage means a lot, but also genetic lineage. And the name Jacob meant supplanter, because you remember Jacob— uh, prior to God getting a hold of his life, he had been a pretty shrewd uh, dealer, right? Well, the name Israel, God changed Jacob's name from supplanter or opportunist to Israel, which means one who struggles with God. And certainly the nation of Israel ha- has done that. But when they would say, the God of Jacob be with you, I really think that was reaffirming the family genetic lineage that, you know, the phrase, the, the God of Jacob, was a reminder to every generation that as an Israelite, this goes all the way back to the father of the, of the nation that met with God and uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, these were the covenant people with the covenant promises under the covenant-keeping God. And I think it was just a reminder of who they were and what their historical global mission has been to bring forth the Messiah. Thank you, Andrew. Great question, brother. David in Mississippi. Welcome, David. Thank you for holding. Hey, Bert and Alex. Uh, Happy Friday to you, and God bless both of you and your families for uh, what y'all do every day. I'm very uh, blessed by uh, what you do. Um, Thank you. My question is around... My question's around the He Gets Us campaign and uh, particularly around the fact that um, with the washing of the feet, uh, my question is, 
like it mentions in John chapter 13 about Jesus washing the feet of, of his disciples and then consequently uh, giving Judas the piece of bread and Satan then entered him. So didn't Jesus already, of course he already knew that Judas was going to betray him, but yet he washed his feet with the other disciples as well. And did this possibly, I mean, did Judas actually really repent when he returned the money back to um, you know, the Sanhedrin uh, that he took? So, uh, and really the timing of it all. David, thank you. Thank you. Alex, we've had a lot of questions concerning He Gets Us, and uh, there's been a lot of information put out there by others that uh, not only He Gets Us, but He Changes Us. And uh, I would have loved that to been seen, but the whole question is, would even the, uh, you know, would the stations even air that? Would NFL let that be aired? I kind of doubt it, but, you know, did it go a little bit far with Jesus washing his feet, all those others? Is it extreme for Jesus to do that? Well, uh, David, thanks for calling. And John 13 does record how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Uh, Mark 10:44, Jesus said, the one who's going to be greatest among you is the servant of all. And Bert, you remember how the disciples, even before Christ had gone to the cross, they were already in the, the, the carnal side. They were kind of jockeying to see who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, look, uh, the kingdom of God is not about lording over anybody. And I think in the strongest possible illustration, Jesus showed that if, if you want to be like the master, you, you've got to be humble. And here is God incarnate doing the most lowly thing, washing each other's feet. So he was showing humility, and if God himself could be that humble, how much more so us? Now, regarding that commercial, a lot of people have said, and, and I really tend to agree, whatever their intentions were, um, that commercial didn't really share how to be saved or even the need to be saved. Bert, I know um, on YouTube there's a gentleman that made a a similar commercial, and it's really, really, really gone viral of uh, Jesus not only, quote-unquote, gets us, Jesus saves us. And it's quite inspiring. I would urge you to try to find it. It's in black and white. It's got some yellow text on the screen. shows a lot of people that were in just unspeakably dark bondage of sin, and they got saved. So, um, David, regarding that uh, Super Bowl commercial, I really think it it was a, an opportunity and probably a whole lot of money that was really kind of wasted because yep. it could have been a stronger statement of the gospel. Really could. That's just, I, if, just if, my opinion. I agree with you if the NFL and the station would have let them play it because they, they've cut out – you remember they cut out Tim Tebow's mom and – and it's about yeah. life, and so there. But I still think it could have been so much better. Alex, I want to say something real quick. I want to get to all the calls. But you was talking about Jesus talking to his disciples and telling them that he was going to the cross and, and die. And he does yeah. that in Mark chapter 9. And uh, he's talking about what's going to, and he will be killed and rise the third day. This is in Mark ten thirty one. But they did not understand his saying and were afraid to ask him. Verse 33 says, Then they came to Capernaum right after that, and he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? 
Guess what they were discussing after Jesus telling them he was going to die and be raised? Who's the greatest? I know. <laughs> we I are, know. We, as human beings, we're something, aren't we? Man. Sometimes uh, just about incorrigible, aren't we? We really are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cornelius. Cornelius, thanks for holding. I believe you're in, in Louisiana. Uh, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, Bird now. Boy, I really love y'all. I happen to be African-American, and I'm going to tell this lady from Alabama, Karen, in the black church, they do have a black Jesus on the cross. I think in the white church, they have a white one. But I'm like y'all. I think he was Oliver Brown because he hung around on that cross. And as far as Adam and Eve, we don't know what color they were. And as far as God, I think he's pure light and everything. Hallelujah. He has no (laughs) Amen. He has no Cornelius, I'm ready to break out in the hallelujah chorus. You're exactly right. I, I don't know everything about him, but I know he loves me. Red, yellow, black, and white. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, Cornelius, I know you've got a question. I want to interrupt you, but there is a great song um, called Some Children See Him. Yes. And it, it came out about 70 years ago. And my, my dear friend, the Beach Boy, Jeffrey Foskett, who just died two months ago, did a, an amazing rendering of this 25 years ago. It's on online. Some children see him, Lily White, uh, the Son of God born this night, and all these lyrics, and some children see him dark as they, the Son of God to whom we pray. But the last verse, and it just will about make you cry, it says, one day, face to face, they'll see Jesus in a different place, full of love and heavenly grace. Uh, the point being, um, Jesus is for all of us. doesn't matter our ethnicity or how dark or how light we might be. Uh, Bert, human beings are beautiful. Every, every ethnicity is beautiful because we're made in God's image. But Cornelius, your question, sir. I, I apologize for interrupting. <laughs> No, no, I really enjoy y'all, and y'all answer every question. And I just want to make one more comment. On The Chosen, I don't watch it because they make Jesus look like he thinks about everything. And Jesus didn't have to think about anything. <laughs> so that's my comment on that. Now, in uh, Proverbs 16, today's the 16th, so there's one day for every uh, proverb of the month. I read in 16.4. The Lord has made all things for himself, ye, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Now, my question to you, and I was asking the call screener, but to me, God didn't make evil. In other words, Satan or Lucifer, whatever you call him, he decided to go against God, and that became the evil one or the devil. So that's my question for you, that that God didn't. But some people say God created evil, but he did not. Now, let me say this, Cornelius. Your thinking is correct. And uh, God gave man with the capacity to choose. And those that teach man is out of that. They don't have the choice for salvation or decision. How many times Jesus said, uh, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have taken you as a hen takes her little ones but you would not. Alex, listen, God made us with that capacity, and all of it will ultimately work for his glory, won't it? Yeah, and and Cornelius, you're right. I mean, God isn't evil, 
and God doesn't create evil. Now, in giving angels and humans free will or free choice, there was the possibility that they would do evil. But I think the, the Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made all things for himself. Yes, the universe belongs to God. He is the sovereign creator. But the word make, what it's saying here is, ultimately, everything will be conformed to God's will. And everything, the Bible says, one day, even the wrath of man will praise him. And so it doesn't mean that God is the author of evil or sin or wickedness. He is not. But even when man and angels sinned and disobeyed, ultimately, God will use it for his glory, for our good, and in no way is God's authority and sovereign power diminished. We're going to try to get Daryl here. Uh, Daryl from Texas, you're on Exploring the Word, um, and we wanted to get your question in. Yes, uh, sir. Oh, yeah, I, I listen to y'all every time I go to work. It's like my third time y'all answer my call. Great. Well, thank Great you. That. But the, concerning that guy that called about the Jesus uh, hanging on the cross, and he knew that he was going, so it wasn't no big deal. To me, that was kind of like something like, okay, well, I, my hope is I'm going to go to heaven too, you know. So that to me, that's a big deal for me. And, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he was saying it wasn't a big deal to him. He was saying that was a big deal to others. How do we answer it? It was a big deal. It's the greatest deal we've ever made that Jesus would take our place. Alex, what a Savior. Amen. And you know what, Daryl? Let me say, we don't just have to hope. We, if you put your trust in Christ, you can know. John 6, 40, 1 John 5, 13, K-N-O-W. Dear ones, if you put your faith in Christ, you can be assured that he heard you, he saved you, and you are his. Bert, that's good assurance, isn't it? It is assurance. We hope you know it. If you have questions, call Triple Eight. need him. They'll pray with you and help you. We want you to remember next week and join us for Exploring the Word and tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving healthcare cost-sharing ministry helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. 